Well, good morning once again, and welcome to Jordan Valley Church. My name is Wes Holmes, one of the pastors here. It's a privilege to be worshiping together our holy God this morning in this place. Uh, we worship him not only by singing, by praying, but by hearing his word and by receiving the means that he wants to pour out into our lives, the means of his good grace to us. Um, this morning, as we consider his word together, we'll be continuing our series in the book of Luke. So we're making our way through the book of Luke slowly. We're still in chapter 9 this morning. Uh, so if you'd like to turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 9, uh, we'll, be, we'll be looking together at verses 35, uh, sorry, 37 to 50. Uh, Luke 9, 37 to 50. And this is the word of the Lord. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. And he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. This ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray as we come to it together. Our good Father, we need you this morning. We need to hear your voice speak to our hearts and minds. And so we pray, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit would accompany the words of this preacher, that you would accomplish what is good and pleasing to you in each of us, and that you draw us to Jesus, the truly great one. We pray in his name. Amen. What does it mean to be great? What comes into your mind when you think of a great person? Maybe Neil Armstrong? Mother Teresa? Perhaps a historic Christian leader or a U.S. president? I recently found a WikiHow webpage that gives 23 steps to becoming the president of the United States. Apparently there's 23. Um, the main thing that was the recurring theme in each of these 23 steps was this. Promote yourself. Get your name out there. Make sure people know who you are. 
And well, that makes sense, right? You have to get the votes somehow. But it's not just presidential platforms that are saying this. It's social media influencers. It's popular culture. It's our workplaces. Everyone needs to have a brand, right? And you need to ruthlessly promote yourself until you achieve the greatness that you desire. But it seems like maybe we're confusing being famous or being at the top of our game with being truly great. So what does it mean to be great anyway? Luke shares these stories about what took place just the day after Jesus was visibly glorified on the mountain. This is what we talked about last week here. Uh, His disciples saw him, right? It was Peter, James, and John who saw the king of heaven in his majestic splendor. They heard the voice of the Father coming from the cloud, and, and they were terrified, it says. But now, they've come down from that mountaintop experience to the same old things as always. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always goes? In our text, Jesus confronts the crowds and his disciples with some difficult and surprising things. He saw the same kinds of problems among the crowds as he saw among his own disciples, and he addresses them, both with truth and grace, which is exactly what you and I need here this morning, truth and grace. So, especially as we begin to see ourselves, a little bit of ourselves in the disciples, um, we'll be looking at this text under two main headings. First, we don't get it right. And second, Jesus corrects us with compassion. We don't get it right, but Jesus corrects us with compassion. And what I want you to hear is this. Jesus is patient and gracious as he shows us the path to true greatness. So let's look at our first heading. We don't get it right. So a man comes up from the crowd to Jesus, begging him to help his son. And Jesus gives a pretty stern rebuke to this man. You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you, he says. Now it's debated among scholars who exactly Jesus is referring to. Is he speaking directly to the man and his maybe desire just to see something, you know, temporarily helping his son? Does he speak to the crowds and they just, all they want to see is a miracle and something great happen? Is he maybe speaking to his disciples and saying, why couldn't you cast this out? I would argue that it's actually all of them. <laughs> it's all of them. Jesus is pointing out that people's faith as a whole is deeply flawed and misplaced. The faith of the crowd, the faith of the man, and even the disciples was corrupted. They were missing what Jesus was all about. But Jesus gives his game plan to the disciples, right, about being delivered into the hands of men. Again, this is the second time now that this has happened in in a short time period. And yet they still didn't really hear him. The text says that they were afraid to even ask Jesus about it. 
You have to wonder what was going on in their minds. Maybe, maybe they're trying to avoid the implications that Jesus' sacrificial mission had on their own personal goals of greatness. Their faith was misplaced. Because Jesus didn't come just to perform signs and miracles like he did with this boy. He didn't come simply to relieve our distress. He didn't come to settle political disputes. Well, how about you? What are you looking to Jesus for? Are you hoping for a better life? A better job? A better family? Are you looking for peace, for healing, for help? Do you want to be in with the right people and maybe clean up your life a little bit? There's nothing inherently wrong with these things, but it's all too easy to miss Jesus in the midst of pursuing these things because Jesus wants to give us himself. He wants to give us all of himself and his love. But our faith is weak. All of us are riddled with selfishness and unbelief. We don't get it right. And inevitably, we end up settling for less. But in order to pursue greatness, friends, we first need to recognize how profoundly we're broken. Back to the disciples. Not only was their faith unsound, but they go on to show just how focused they were on themselves. Here they are, right after witnessing Jesus' glory on the mountain. And now they're debating which of them would be the greatest. It seems like they preferred their own glory. Now, it's not wrong that they wanted to be great, but it's how they were pursuing that greatness that missed the point. They were making it about themselves. They were dreaming of their potential as being the closest followers of the Son of God. Now, that's some serious potential, right? But maybe they got a little too excited about what that might mean for their status in society. Can you relate? I think it's all too natural for each of us to make a big fuss about ourselves, whether publicly or just in our own heads. We all tend to focus on ourselves, our agenda, our burdens, our happiness, and then we miss the main point. Our lives are not actually about us. You and I were created to belong to God. We're designed to find our fullest joy and satisfaction in Him. But instead we say, no, no thanks. You know, I'd really just prefer to find my joy elsewhere. And we can come to believe that we can actually have a great life apart from the one who is truly great. If you've heard of the Westminster Confession of Faith, you've probably heard the first question and answer of the Shorter Catechism. It asks this, what is the chief end of man? Or in other words, what is the ultimate purpose of our lives? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Friends, 
It's not about us. But the disciples continue to show their ignorance. And this time, they're showing it by how wrong they are about Jesus' boundaries. Right? John pipes up and, and mentions how they tried to stop a man who was casting out demons in Jesus' name, but he wasn't part of their group. Now, we all want to be part of the right group. We all long to be in with the right people. The disciples were pretty sure that following Jesus made them the right people. And we know that to maintain an identity of being the right people, there needs to be some boundary enforcement. If this guy is casting out demons in Jesus' name, but he's not part of our group, then something is wrong. Jesus actually tells his disciples not to stop him. And he says, whoever is not against you is for you. So first we'll unpack what this means, and then we'll unpack what it doesn't mean. So first, the disciples were missing the fact that Jesus' greatness extends far beyond what he was doing right in front of them. The Lord was pleased to express his power outside of the context of just his followers, right, then and there. But John was pretty convinced that anything happening in the name of Jesus needed the disciples' approval first. <laughs> Maybe also a little relatable. We tend to believe that our group is where all the action is happening. And so it's easy to become skeptical about anything good that's happening outside of our group. But if we draw those boundary lines too quickly around our tribe, then we risk missing or even hindering the purposes of God. God who is working all around the world in every tribe and tongue and nation and people. We may think we're so right, but God proves us all wrong in one way or another. So Jesus isn't saying that there are no boundaries with him. Because he calls on all of us to follow him, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross. So it's in the heart of every person that we are either for Jesus or against him. And there's no middle ground there. Because the only way that you and I can find forgiveness of sin, the only way that we can find the hope of eternal life, is by trusting in Christ alone. And that's because only Jesus can correct the many ways that we've all gone wrong. And we've just scratched the surface here of looking at the disciples and, and ourselves. We've only scratched the surface of our wrongness. But the Bible affirms that all of us have sinned against God. We've all missed the main point, And we just don't get it right. And friends, there's no hope in us just trying harder or, or learning more because our problem is the stain of our sin and our guilt before a holy God. And only the blood of Jesus can wash it away. We can't make ourselves great. But Jesus, the truly great one, meets us with truth and grace. And so that leads us to our second heading, 
Jesus corrects us with compassion. We've all been where the disciples were, right? Weak in faith, focus on ourselves, drawing the wrong boundaries. But Jesus draws our attention to the very purpose for which he came. Listen carefully, he says. He came to be handed over to wicked men who would unknowingly offer him up as the spotless lamb of God. Jesus responds to his disciples' faithlessness with a continued affirmation of the salvation that he has come to bring. A salvation for sinners who don't get it right. Jesus shows us that his love is unfailing. His love is a love that's willing to die so that we could live, to be condemned so that we could be free, to be forsaken so that we could be accepted by God. His agenda was to love us, to serve us, to heal us, which is the only reason that you and I can have hope today. And even still, Jesus is graciously correcting us when we stray from his path. There's three observations I want to make in line of what we just talked about. First, Jesus loves the outsider. He loves the outsider. He didn't require people to jump through hoops to prove their worthiness. He didn't make sinners and tax collectors keep their distance until they had cleaned up their lives enough to be a part of his group. He was even gracious with those who weren't following him yet, doing miracles through them, apparently. Jesus loves the broken people of the world knowing full well that they will turn against him and reject him. But he still invites us to turn from our sin and to follow him by faith and to be restored to that ultimate purpose for which we were made. Jesus loves the outsider. Second, Jesus heals our diseases. The whole crowd that was there gathered at the, at the foot of the mountain, even the disciples, had misplaced their faith. But Jesus still healed the man's son. He knew that crowds would marvel at his miracle, but later cry out for his crucifixion. He saw the unbelief and perverseness of that generation, but he still cared for people's suffering. He met them with kindness and compassion. Their faith may have been corrupted, but his love was unfailing. And so he healed this boy's malady, which ultimately points us to the day that he will fully and perfectly heal us, body and soul. Jesus heals our diseases. Third observation, Jesus serves the lowest and the least. He takes a child and he puts him in front of the disciples the prideful disciples who were just arguing about how great they were, and said, Welcome, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. He's talking about the Father. Right? You welcome God as you serve even the lowest and the least. Jesus not only loves the little children, but he came to be their servant, to lift them up to glory 
by the means of him being lifted up on the cross. Jesus shows his disciples that the true path to greatness is traveled by forgetting yourself, by lowering yourself, and by serving the lowest and the least for the glory of God. You see, friends, it's the compassion of the Lord that spurs us on to true greatness. It's the lavish grace of God to us who have been served by the King of Heaven, to us who are so often wrong. It's His grace that corrects us and empowers us to grow in Christ-likeness, to follow Him truly. But we're all works in progress. And yet God never gives up up on us, no matter how slowly we feel like we're moving along. And he promises that this path we walk, though it's difficult, will surely lead to glory. That glory where we will share in the greatness of God himself. And so to conclude, friends, Jesus is patient and gracious as he shows us the path to true greatness. So whether or not you're famous or or a social media influencer or the president of the United States, greatness is not measured by how many people know your name. Greatness is found in knowing and being known by Jesus, the King of the universe. And even when your faith feels more like faithlessness, he is faithful to help you. And so let's pursue true greatness together for the glory of God until that day when we will share in his greatness forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we long for the greatness that you have made us for, the glory that you desire to share with us in heaven. And yet, Lord, we settle in so many ways. Help us. Teach us, show us, we pray for your patience and grace to us uh, who are so often stumbling and falling along the way. Lift us up, O Lord, to yourself and empower us to live as servants uh, who serve even the lowest and the least. We pray it together in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.